One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandy Pond. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll be talking about the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. And it's going to be terrible. Oh, boy. I hate myself for this. Okay, great. I'm sorry to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what. Man, (laughs) tell me if this sounds kind of familiar. Mm Mm-hmm. About a week out from when yeah. you're going to do a case, you're like, well, this is going to just be fascinating. This yeah. is this is really yep. interesting. I'm, yeah. I should look into this. Mm-hmm. And then. Yeah, you look into the it. The Monday. No, I, I, the funny thing was I was looking into it. Okay. And, you know, all right, all, all right. right. Monday hits. Oh, God. Tuesday. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> this morning. <laughs> bah, and here I am. To tell us about a church bombing. Great. It's terrible. <laughs> okay. I, it's not like those other fun church Church bombings. bombings. Yeah, it's not one of those lighthearted church no, bombings. No, no, unfortunately it's, like a, it's not. Like a bombing of... Hey, hey, did you want to hear some fun stories about super racist people? Great. Don't worry, I got it. I got okay. it all here. It's all here for you. Okay, great. Thank Just you. Chock full of racism. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's we're all gonna have good laughs. Just a great time. Good this times, good, good laughs, good times, and, and good friends. Great, wait, good times and great oldies. What was that? What is that? I'm so glad at the top of the show we're trying to remember the catchphrase for a radio station that was only in Kansas City <laughs> when and, we were children. Yeah, <laughs> and it was good times That's and great, great oldies. oldies. Thank you very much. I'm not gonna leave you hanging, but I am gonna make fun of you. Okay, great. Thank okay, you. great. <laughs> Uh, Brandy, I I'm in the mood for you to stall a bit before I talk about this bombing. What would you like me to talk about? Like literally anything, as long as it's not a bombing. Okay, I'll tell the people what I purchased this week. What'd you purchase this week? Well, it's exciting and also makes me sad. Big gr- um, big girl bed for my sweet precious baby angel, London. Yeah, she's uh she's she's graduating to a big girl bed this weekend. Everybody mark your calendar. Yeah, everybody write it down. It's fine. I'm totally fine with it. I'm very excited for it, and I'm okay with it, and it's great that she's grown up. I don't think you had to get a three-year-old a waterbed, though. I did not get her a waterbed. (laughs) No, it's interesting because I got her a trundle bed, but then that sparked a very dark conversation about allowing kids to spend the night at other people's houses. So that David and I had, it's like... Ooh, is that is that a thing that people still do? Do people send their kids you know to spend the funny? night at other people's houses? I feel houses? like people don't. I think they don't either. But so many of our, our best I times. know, are having sleepovers. Exactly. So what we decided is that she could have somebody spend the night at our house. We're totally cool with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's not going elsewhere. Right. So yeah. the trundle bed is fine. It's, yes, exactly. <laughs> and you really had to spring for the trundle water bed. I did not both get a water them, bed. Both of them watery. No, it's funny. Norm asked me what mattress I got her, and I was like, a cheap one off the internet because she's three and doesn't have joint problems. My favorite is when Norm is trying to be supportive yes. and interested when you tell him something about children. Yes. He has no interest exactly, in children. Exactly, yes. And so, yeah, his question was, what type, what type of, of mattress? What type of mattress did you go with? Did you get a purple? Did you get a Casper? And I was like, no. I bought a nothing brand off of Amazon. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, what's the pillow situation? Yeah. you got to get a good pillow. All right. Now, uh, somehow, it feels a little creepy, honestly. Okay, great. <laughs> 
right. Are we ready for this terrible story? Yeah, I think we're ready. Okay. First of all, uh, you're making a face like I'm, I'm, I'm disappointing you. I'm ready. I've already disappointed With myself. Okay. <laughs> Do you know anything about this story? No, I don't know anything about it. And oh. I, I would like to keep it that way. Thank Too you, bad. everyone. Podcast in jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Oh, what? I do have something I have to tell the people real fast. What is it? Okay, I talked about in the most recent episode, the kidnapping of George Warehouser, about how weird I thought it was that he was walking home for lunch. Mm-hmm. My mom informed me today that when she was um, a little kid, like in the 1970s, she would have mm-hmm. been in elementary school, she lived in Wisconsin, and they walked home for lunch. She was hit by a car. Walking home for lunch. That is no laughing matter, Brandy. She was fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bounced right back. She was hit by a car twice at the same intersection. Different cars. <laughs> Christian, why are you laughing? <laughs> because I thought of something terrible to say. Like, when the second one hits you, are you asking for it? <laughs> These are the questions we have to ask children yes, who are who walking, are walking home. home by themselves for lunch. What a weird time. It's so weird. Okay. Okay. Anyway, tell us about this bombing. Great. All right. Here we go. Get ready to laugh. Um, We've got... No. <laughs> There's no laughs. No. There will be here. zero laughs. Okay. Huge shout out to uh, the Crime Library. Oh! Um, Mark Gatto wrote an amazing article, very thorough, called The Birmingham Church Bombing, colon, Bombingham. Oh. Mm. And you have to say colon. You cannot just pause. You just pause. No, that's, no, no. Yeah, you just pause. Mark said, "Don't you <laughs> fucking dare." Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Also, great reporting in the New York Times and NPR. Mm, okay. And here we go. Picture it. What? I feel like my microphone has moved. Oh my gosh, you are so weird. I have the limpest microphone this side of the Mississippi. Well, you know, if you dress a little sexy, you just put a <laughs> My shirt literally says pound town on it today. Did you hear how hard I popped that pee just yeah, now? Yeah, you're always popping your peas pee so hard. Pond. But here's the thing. That microphone wants a little mystery, okay? okay. you got to really walk the line. Okay. And if you want tips on that, just look over here, okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. All uh-huh. right. You taking Stop. notes? Yeah, Norm asked you to unbutton another button on that dress. Your tits would be out if you unbutton another button. I did unbutton another button. You did? Where was I? <laughs> you were right there. And I think that... Any kind of nudity freaks you out so much that it's like you just don't even, it doesn't I, even register. I didn't even, I heard him ask and I assumed that you like made a joke and like we just moved on. I didn't know you actually did it. I, well, it's funny. I did make a joke and I <laughs> opened my dress kind of as a joke, but in a sense it was very real because my tits were out. Ye- oh, I'm so glad I didn't <laughs> notice. How dare you? These puppies are fabulous. They are wonderful. They get worse every day. You might as well see them now. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Anyhow. All right. Picture it. Birmingham, Alabama. Or should I say Bombingham, Alabama? Uh, I kind of ruined it by... Mm -hmm. Anyway. um, That's what people called Birmingham back in the 1960s. At the time, Birmingham was the largest city in Alabama it was home to about 350,000 people, and it was racially diverse, which I think we can all agree is a real problem. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. 
The city was extremely segregated, even by old-timey standards. They were like, whoa, this is a lot. Uh-huh. And if anyone wanted to challenge the racist status quo, they were quickly punished. Black folks in Birmingham were subjected to frequent acts of terrorism. Gosh, this is already so fun, isn't yeah. it? Um, and those acts of terrorism often involved bombs. From 1948 to 1957, Birmingham was home to 48 unsolved bombings. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that ridiculous? Yes. In one month in 1957, four black churches were bombed. And so were seven homes. Oh, my gosh. A lot of the bombings took place in a neighborhood where a lot of black families lived. And that neighborhood got bombed so often that people began calling it Dynamite Hill. Oh, wow. In one article, <laughs> they just called it Dynamite Hill. Like, as oh, if they, that's like the name wow. of this neighborhood. Maybe it stuck. Who knows? Yeah. Some black folks did try to get justice. For example, Fred Shuttlesworth, who was a reverend and a civil rights leader, had his house bombed three times. And finally, on Christmas Day of 1958, terrorists completely destroyed his home with a bomb. So he went to the police. Mm -hmm. He told the local police chief that his home had been blown to pieces. And the police chief accused Reverend Shuttlesworth of bombing his own home on Christmas Day for attention. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The police chief asked the reverend to take a lie detector test so that they could rule him out as a suspect. Okay, great. Yeah. That's great. Anytime I need a little attention, I just bomb my house. Yeah. Usually on Christmas Day. Yeah. That's the way to do it. That had to have been infuriating, but probably not surprising. Birmingham police didn't give a shit about serving and protecting black people. The city was home to a very active chapter of the KKK. And the KKK had the full protection of the Birmingham police. Great. As one article put it, Klansmen often rode with police when they were on patrol. Holy shit. Another article mentioned that the local clan often held their meetings at the Fraternal Order of Police Lodge. All of which makes me think that if we were to draw a Venn diagram of Klansmen and policemen, might just be one big circle. Yeah, that's I mean the, at what point that's the Rage Against the Machine song. What is? The same people who fight forces are the same people who burn crosses. That's not the actual lyric. Hold on. Uh, Rage Against the Machine. Do they mention Venn diagrams? The lyric is killing in, or the song's killing in the name. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting to me that these articles, I mean, they were really careful about like, the relationship was real close. Well, no, I'm sorry. If they're, they're just in the, the same, car, yeah it's, yeah. it's more like some Klansmen aren't police officers. Yes, exactly. Right? So this was a very scary environment for black people and for anyone who wasn't a sack of shit, you know. Yeah. And so then 1963 rolled around and things got worse. In his inaugural address, newly elected Alabama Governor George Wallace famously said that he believed in 
segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. He said some other things in that inauguration that didn't get, like, as much traction. Oh, yeah? Dance like no one's watching. <laughs> thinking what if i could just attribute everything if you want the rainbow you gotta (laughs) sit through a little rain don't talk to me before i've had my coffee (laughs) did he do like a live laugh love too yes (laughs) that's the origin of live live, laugh laugh, love love separately oh boy (laughs) well you gotta make it racist too brandy Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, so that's that was a very fun way of inspiring your local terrorists. <laughs> Great. It's important to inspire locally. Okay. Brandy. Yeah. Okay. There was obviously not a consensus among black folks in Birmingham about how to respond to all of this hate. You know, some people were like, okay, it's safest to just not rock the boat. Yeah. Other people thought, okay, let's let this play out in the courts. It'll be slower but hopefully safer. And other people felt like it's time to take action. People like Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth wanted to, quote, kill segregation or be killed by it. Wow. Yeah. He sounds kick-ass. I, I really mean, like him. I'm just going to say, like, his you name just is love cool. His name. I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shuttlesworth? Fuck yeah, I yeah, like it. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, yeah. huh? Yeah. So he and several other leaders formed the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which was a nonviolent civil rights organization, and they began making waves. They created Project C. Oh, yeah. What do you think C stood for, Brandy? I don't know. Confrontation! Oh. Mm-hmm. The goal of Project C was to desegre- desegregate Birmingham or desegregate whatever that was supposed to be through big nonviolent demonstrations. But so much work went into the effort to desegregate the city. They needed people, they needed leadership, they needed just a place to meet. And that's where the 16th Street Baptist Church came in. It had been the city's first black church. They'd started in the 1870s. And by the 1960s, it was the largest black church in Birmingham. It was fucking cool. Yeah. I think we've been there together. Yeah, I think so. We have a picture of all of us outside this church. Yes. Anyway, that was a Sheree Ray and Darrell stop on the way to Destin, Florida. Destin, Florida. (laughs) Yep. And this wasn't just a church. It was centrally located, and it was where people got together for meetings, just to socialize. It was kind of like the social hub. Yeah. It was also an eye-catching church. I don't know if you remember what this place looks like, but okay, brief history lesson Okay, that really probably shouldn't be in this script, but I think it's interesting. Okay. Okay, so the original building of this church mm-hmm. was very beautiful, but the city had been like, oh, it needs to be condemned. We're going to demolish it. So uh-huh. they did that in 1908. And in response, the congregation hired a black architect and a black contractor, and they built this show-stopping church. Uh-huh. It is described online as Romanesque and Byzantine. Oh. So. Yeah. I'm I, thinking I will, about the Roman Empire. I, I'll describe it to you now. Big. Yeah. Wide. Yeah. Staircase. Romanesque. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And kind of domey guys. Yeah. And I think that's the Byzantine part. Yeah, sure. And we can't be more clear <laughs> yeah, than that. All right? right. Yeah. 
Wait, can I look it up? Yeah, of course. 16th Street Baptist Church. I didn't even, like, I have to put in, like, three letters in it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, do you care to describe it? I mean, I know I did a great job. You did a great job. What more can I say? Yeah. Domey things. Oh, the byzantine Byzantine of it, it just, all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'm glad we did that. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the church's leadership was a little nervous for the church to join in the campaign to desegregate the city. Mm -hmm. But they eventually decided that this needed to happen. And things really kicked off in the spring of 1963 when Martin Luther King Jr. came to town. Everyone, I'm kind of doing a little Doing like a dance. Is that how he he came into town? Here's how... Here's how Fred. So Fred invited him. Okay. And kind of shamed him. He said something to the effect of history won't look kindly on people who only give flowery speeches. I know. I know. So in addition, in addition to having like a cool ass last name, he was also kind of a badass. Yeah. Also, I got the vibe. This is just from the Wikipedia page. Uh So I'm no expert. But I got the vibe that he was like. Fine, I'll do the nonviolence thing, but I won't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I, I respect that. Absolutely. So together, civil rights leaders organized these major protests, and oftentimes people would meet up at the church as kind of a starting point for the protests. Mm-hmm. And the protests worked. And because of that, they really pissed off the racist white folks. Yeah. At one point, the police chief publicly ranted that Martin Luther King Jr. was a self-promoter and a liar. Birmingham didn't have any problems. That Martin Luther King guy was full of shit. Okay. Am I right? (laughs) No! (laughs) Can you imagine? There's literally separate everything. You're like, it's fine. Yeah. We all like it this way. Yeah, everybody wants it this way. Uh It's best for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Later that same evening, someone bombed Martin Luther King Jr.'s brother's house. Wow. And they also bombed the Gaston Motel, where Martin Luther King Jr. sometimes stayed. Gaston? I mean, it's G-A-S-T-O-N. Gaston? I don't... No one... Kristen's first celebrity crush was Gaston. Hot as fuck. <laughs> Problematic? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> but beefy? Yeah, you always Absolutely. liked those big, burly dudes. That's right. That's right. Yeah, which makes sense that you married Norm. <laughs> <laughs> He's the biggest man in this whole house. He is the biggest man in this uh-huh. whole house. So there was this environment where people in power were saying hateful shit, and then their supporters were carrying out violent acts. And oopsies, no one was ever held accountable for any of it. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Eventually, things got so bad that President JFK sent in federal troops, hoping to calm things down. And, you know, that worked for, like, 12 seconds. Yeah. But the fight was far from over. So on May 2nd, 1963, children ranging in age from 8 to 18 met at the 16th Street Baptist Church and they marched downtown to talk to the mayor about segregation. Mm -hmm. It was called the Children's Crusade. And it was nonviolent until the police got involved. 
Police used attack dogs and fire hoses against children. They beat children with clubs. The one silver lining was that there was footage of the police brutality. Oh wow! Okay, it made the news. People everywhere saw white police officers turning fire hoses on unarmed、yeah. citizens. And within days of that protest, the city of Birmingham finally agreed to some changes. So suck on that. <laughs> okay. They desegregated lunch counters and drinking fountains and fitting rooms and restrooms, and they let the protesters out of jail. And they agreed that black people could be clerks and salesmen. This was a huge victory. But uh oh, it made some folks mad. Yeah. So then came Sunday, September fifteenth, nineteen sixty-three. People at the sixteenth street. Oh my God, it's hard to say. It really it is. is.、Yeah. I've only been reading it. Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea I was gonna、yeah. have these. Because you have to do a back to back.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. That's why I don't think say thirst trap ever. It's too much. People at the sixteenth Street Baptist Church were pretty excited. It was Youth Sunday. That was always my favorite Sunday. Yeah, which meant that the youth—I I said youth people of the church, young people, young people of the church—is a more human way to say <laughs> that it. That is a more human.、Um, did you? Have, <laughs> do you have AI write you this script? At a certain point, I was like, "This is too depressing." <laughs> I'm just gonna let go and let AI, as they say. So the young people of the church would、mm-hmm. get their chance to shine. Carol Robertson was a little nervous. She was 14, and she had some stage fright about the fact that she was going to be singing in front of the whole congregation. But you know, the night before, her mom got her her very first pair of high heels. Oh my god! They were black and shiny. Oh my gosh! Amazing. That kind of summed up how a lot of kids were feeling that day. Everyone was looking their best and getting ready to play a role in Sunday service. But you know, first they had to prepare. So the youth were all gathered in the church basement, and the adults were all upstairs. Everything was so normal. Sarah Collins Rudolph was twelve years old, and she remembers being in the ladies' lounge or the women's restroom、yeah. in the church basement. She was there with four other girls, including her fourteen-year-old sister, Addie May. The girls were all fixing their hair in the mirror, and that's when the church got a phone call. Fifteen-year-old Carolyn McKinstry was the one who picked up the phone, and she heard the voice of a man. He said, three minutes," and hung up. So that was strange. Meanwhile, in the women's restroom, Sarah watched as her sister Addie May helped eleven-year-old Denise McNair tie the sash on her dress. Addie was actually reaching out to tie the sash、mm-hmm. when there was a deafening explosion. Glass exploded everywhere. Girls flew through the air like dolls. One of the church walls, which had been more than two feet thick, caved in on the children. Oh my gosh! The explosion had been so powerful that windows on nearby buildings shattered and cars flipped over. Wow. In the chaos, Sarah screamed for her sister, Addie, 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 but Addie never responded. 
Upstairs, the adults flew into action. They ran for their kids. But when they got to the steps of the church basement, they saw that the steps had been completely blown away. Children came crawling out of the rubble. I saw something like 80 kids were in this basement. Mm -hmm. They lay bleeding in the streets. Parents searched for their children. People pulled little kids out of the rubble. And above it all, someone yelled, they bombed our children. It didn't take long to discover the first dead child. It was 11-year-old Denise McNair. Once they found Denise... They found three other dead little girls, 14-year-old Addie Mae Collins, 14-year-old Cynthia Wesley, and 14-year-old Carol Roberts. Cynthia's body was so damaged that she could only be identified by her shoes and a ring. Oh, my gosh. More than 20 people were injured in the bombing. Sarah Collins was pulled out of the rubble by a church deacon. She had 21 pieces of glass stuck in her face. Oh, my gosh. The congregation couldn't believe it. Yeah. This was the lowest of low. Their children had been bombed at church. Yeah. Soon, police arrived on the scene, and that became a mess because no one trusted the police. Mm -hmm. There was so much rage and anger and grief. Eventually, Reverend John Cross got a bullhorn. And even though he was injured and covered in blood, he tried to calm everybody down. He said, the police are doing everything they can. Please go home. And then he broke down in tears. Oh, my gosh. From there, things got worse. Later that same day, a 16-year-old black boy named James Robinson was involved in some kind of, like, rock-throwing incident with some white teenagers. Mm -hmm. And the police showed up. And so James ran, and a white police officer shot him in the back. Oh, my gosh. Yep. I'm sorry. Did he die? Yeah. I was reacting when you said it. Oh, my gosh. A couple hours later, a 13-year-old black boy named Virgil Ware was riding on the handlebars of his brother's bike, and a moped decorated with a Confederate flag came at them from the opposite direction. And out of nowhere, the white 16-year-old boy who was riding the moped pulled out a gun. He shot Virgil twice in the chest and then rode off. He was later convicted of second-degree manslaughter. He spent seven months in jail. Wow. It was all... Seven months, huh? Yeah. Seven whole months? Yeah. says a lot that a 16-year-old feels like they should do that and can do yeah. that and know yeah. that they're going to get yeah. away with it. Yep. So it was all horrible. And in the immediate aftermath of the bombing, Martin Luther King Jr. sent a telegram to Governor George Wallace. It read, in part, The blood of our little children is on your hands. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. Yeah. He didn't say that. He didn't say that part, part, but he thought it. We were all thinking (laughs) it. (laughs) Just a few days later, he delivered the eulogy at a funeral for the little girls. Why did I say eulogy at a funeral? That goes without saying. God damn it. 
think it just makes it really clear. Just in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, where you give eulogies at. Well, I think we've all learned a lot today. We sure have. You're welcome. Let's end this now, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, More than 8,000 people attended that service. Wow. Yeah. Here's a a fun fact for you. So 8,000 people attended. Mm -hmm. Um, No city officials. Right. Right. Yeah. So here's part of what he said to the crowd that day. These children, unoffending, innocent and beautiful, were the victims of one of the most vicious and tragic crimes ever perpetrated against humanity. And yet they died nobly. They are the martyred heroines of a holy crusade for freedom and human dignity. And so this afternoon, in a real sense, they have something to say to each of us in their death. They have something to say to every minister of the gospel who has remained silent behind the safe security of stained glass windows. They have something to say to every politician who has fed his constituents with the stale bread of hatred and the spoiled meat of racism. They have something to say to a federal government that has compromised with the undemocratic practices of Southern Dixiecrats and the blatant hypocrisy of right-wing Northern Republicans. They have something to say to every Negro who has passively accepted the evil system of segregation and who has stood on the sidelines in a mighty struggle for justice. They say to each of us, black and white alike, that we must substitute courage for caution. They say to us that we must be concerned not merely about who murdered them, but about the system, the way of life, the philosophy which produced the murderers. Their death says to us that we must work passionately and unrelentingly for the realization of the American dream. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is the thing, is that you do have to look at the system Mm -hmm. that created the people who do these things. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's worth mentioning. So Carol Robertson's family had a separate service. Mm -hmm. I read very briefly somewhere that her family did not appreciate some of the remarks about how this was brought on by black people being complacent, which I get that. That'd be tough. Yeah. But the murders of these four little girls really captured people's attention. The day after the bombing, a white lawyer named Chuck Morgan was supposed to address a club. I assume like a rotary club or something. And so, you know, he had his prepared speech. But then this bombing happened. And he was like, you know what? And he just kind of rips up the prepared speech. And he said, who threw the bomb? The answer should be, we all did it. It's every little individual who talks about the bleep and spreads the seeds of his hate to his neighbor and his son. Birmingham isn't a dying city. It is dead. Wow. That didn't go over very well. Mm-hmm. Because most white folks didn't want to hear that their casual racism yeah. was in part to blame. Yeah, absolutely. And two weeks later, after that speech got printed in newspapers mm-hmm. all over the country, Chuck and his wife Camille and their son packed up all their shit and fled Birmingham in the middle of the night. Wow. The one good thing was that this crime was so horrifying that it couldn't be ignored. Yeah. The FBI was almost immediately on the scene. We know the mayor didn't call him. No no kidding. Some other mayor. Some other mayor. Some other mayor. 
so they're there. They're trying to figure out who bombed this church. Yeah. They did find some interesting physical evidence. They discovered pieces of a fishing bobber not far from where the bomb went off. They figured it could have been used as a timing device for the bomb. Mm-hmm. But, you know, oops. The fishing bobber kind of vanished. Oh, did it? Never. Didn't get taken into evidence. N- oopsies. These things, you know, they, they happen. They do happen. Brandy. Especially when you got members of the KKK on the police what? force. What? No, they're just bu- just good buddies. <laughs> just good buddies is all. Okay. Okay. A lot of FBI agents worked really hard on this case. I mean, it didn't take a genius to guess that the KKK was behind the bombing. Um, so they started talking yeah. to Klansmen. And they got a lot of them to become paid informants. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Were you expecting more loyalty? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was. <laughs> you thought the guys who go around <laughs> with pillowcases over their heads they, they like, won't secretly show their really faces. Brave. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I thought you fellas would nut up and say, no, I'm not talking. Yeah, so it's this chaotic environment. And two months after the bombing, JFK was assassinated. And around that same time, Sarah Collins Rudolph was finally let out of the hospital. She'd suffered tremendous physical and emotional trauma. She'd lost an eye, but thankfully regained. But thank- I think it's pronounced regained. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is now, but at the time it was regained. Oh, okay. Uh, she regained it in her left eye. Okay, okay yeah. Right. <laughs> Please never correct me again. <laughs> Survivors struggled to make sense of the bombing. Carolyn McKinnistry, who'd been the one to answer the phone that day, later said, I really struggled to understand when our church was bombed what it was that we were supposed to do differently. If you're born brown, if you're born white, whatever you're born, if that's a problem for someone, what do you do about that? What do they expect you to do about that? Right. <laughs> yes. Also, I'm sorry, we have to pause for a moment. What? And point out that her name is, I'm sorry, what's her first name? Carolyn. Carolyn McGinnistry, and McKinstry. she works in the ministry. Yeah. Isn't that cute? Yeah. She really had no choice. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Well, I mean, she did as a kid. I don't know if she went into ministry. Okay. But she should have. Yeah. If not, yeah. Carolyn, if you're listening, yeah. got to get a job at the church. That's right. The ministry, McKinistry. Yeah. Got Okay. Anyway, uh, Jeff Drew, who was <laughs> an Jeff- artist. <laughs> Shut up. Not a very talented one. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> But he felt like he had to go into it because of his last yeah. name. See, he knows the rules. He gets it. He was a classmate of a few of the girls who were killed. And later he said, I think that in the black community, the 16th Street bombing will always remain a testament of not to fully trust white folks. Our hearts became reserved. We had a new fear of white violence. Because if you will stoop that low to kill children yeah. in church. Exactly. Then is there anything else that you couldn't do? no line they won't cross. Yeah. That's exactly what that says. It took a few months, but the FBI became pretty sure they knew who'd committed this crime. Thanks to a ton of information from informants and a ton of interviews, they'd identified Robert Chambliss 
a.k.a. Dynamite Bob. That's his nickname, Dynamite Bob? Yeah, I assume that put him at the top of the I list. I would assume <laughs> so, yes. Also, Herman Frank Cash. Thomas Blanton. banker. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to read you a few more names. I'm, gonna, I, I'm ready to hear some more theories. <laughs> okay. Thomas Blanton Jr.? Mm. What's he do? Um, he, you've got nothing. No. <laughs> I can tell you've got nothing. He's a chef. He's really into blanching. Mm. <laughs> Boy, like, not your best not, work. No, uh uh-uh. Okay. No. Here's the name that really gets me going. You Kay. ready? Yeah. Bobby Cherry. Oh, yeah. See, I think that's a huge problem. Why is it a huge problem? Because it's a an adorable name. It's a name. name. Yeah, absolutely. And How can you be responsible a for this bombing? Member yeah. of the KKK. Yeah. Hey, we don't know anything yet in this. Oh, Brandy, calm down. Maybe okay. he's just a, a little just a good old boy member of the KKK. A, you know, just a social club. That's uh-huh. what they always say. They're like, yeah. well, in those days, it was a social club where we terrified black people. Yeah. <laughs> No, that I do. That is unfortunate because I do like the name Bobby Cherry. Everyone likes the name uh, you Bobby. You know what Cherry. Bobby Cherry would be? What he'd be like a a singer. Mm. Yeah, I don't really agree. Oh, I do. He's singing jukebox music. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I see you. Yeah. Honestly, I think you si- you go to sign up for your little clan card, uh-huh. and they're like, "Sorry, we can't accept you oh, because your name is cute. too cute." First of all, your name ends in a Y. Yeah. So that's already. He's got a double Y. I know. First and last. Yes. Also, his last name is a fruit. Okay. Mm-hmm. What? No, you can't commit mm-hmm. a hate crime. No. Now send in Dynamite Bob. Yeah, Dynamite Bob makes sense. Absolutely. So they figured these were the guys who'd bombed the church. And maybe there was another person, but we're not talking about him. Okay, why not? Because shut up. Okay. Because maybe he was an informant, oh, and we don't even sure. No, we shut up, Brandy. Nope, okay. we don't even want it. Mm-mm. Is this like a? Do you get like an immunity hey, thing hey, for no, all the info? No, there's there's nothing there. Oh boy! So don't even look it up. That man's name, Bob Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> and yet you laughed so hard. <laughs> because it made sense. <laughs> These men were members of a splinter group of the local KKK. Evidently, the regular KKK wasn't KKK enough <laughs> for them. And they created the Cahaba River. <laughs> Ma'am, you aren't even saying words at this point. <laughs> You're just making sounds, and then you looked at me like I was supposed to know what you'd said. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is the Cahaba River Group. That's the name of their super scary KKK yeah, okay. splinter group. Splinter, I love a good splinter group. Sure. No, that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. What the KKK wasn't... KKK enough. I heard you the first time. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't fucking scary enough. No. They had to do their own thing. No, they really felt like, hey... They're not doing, KKK's not doing enough these days. We gotta ramp it, stop. (laughs) We gotta ramp this up. Yeah. Oh, boy. So the FBI gathered a ton of information on these guys. But when it came time to, you know, actually arrest them, 
J. Edgar Hoover wouldn't allow it. He kept saying they didn't have enough. And we know that we can trust J. Edgar Hoover because, you know, he was a champion of the civil rights movement. So, Mm-mm. yeah. No. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's not like he was a big racist dirtbag who was trying fact. to just shove this under the rug. Okay, great. So years passed. And nothing, no charges? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And when I tell you the FBI had a ton of information, I'm talking about a file that was 8,000 pages long. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't even think that fits in one file. I don't think so either. I bet they had to use multiple folders for that. I agree. It's more of a filing cabinet. Might be multiple cabinets. Might be. So, you know, they had a ton of information, but they wouldn't share it with anyone because it was all confidential, private. You wouldn't understand. Okay. That was super frustrating because... If the FBI was going to do anything, they needed to act fast. They only had jurisdiction over this crime because of a civil rights statute that came out of the Reconstruction era. Mm -hmm. And it had a statute of limitations of five years. Oh, my. (laughs) Fucking hate the statute of limitations. (laughs) Yeah, because if it goes longer than five years, that bombing doesn't matter Then it didn't happen. Yeah. 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 Great. Uh, yeah, so they let it expire. Mm-hmm. J. Edgar Hoover closed the case. Dun, dun, dun. But that wasn't good enough. Well, no, it's not fucking good enough. What do you mean? <laughs> hey, I'm not J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> and would you believe it? The people of Birmingham were just not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell? Well, okay, so what do they do? What are their choices now? <laughs> Statue of limitations is up. Well, at the federal level, it's okay, up. Okay, great. What happens at the state level? Tell me more. Tell me more. He has a car. Okay. <laughs> In 1970, a guy named William Baxley, who I sometimes call Bill, sometimes call him William. Okay, go we'll take with it. it. Yeah. Was elected. Does he ever go by Billiam? <laughs> <laughs> no one ever has, but we recommend that they do. He was elected attorney general of Alabama. He was 28. Oh. I know, right? Little baby. Little baby hottie attorney general. Was he hot? I, I assume. Oh, okay. Isn't everyone hot at 28? 28. <laughs> Isn't that the law? <laughs> uh, he'd been in college when the 16th Street Baptist Church was bombed, and it had deeply troubled him that four little girls were killed and no one had been held accountable for it. So when he became attorney general, he told his staff that solving that bombing was his number one priority. Okay. He immediately got to work looking through all the state and local files because, you know, there, there'd been a local investigation, right. too. How, does the FBI want to offer up their files? Oh, no. Okay. So glad you asked. Yeah. No. No, thank you. Mm-mm. Okay. No. And that, that's the end of the conversation then? For a while. Okay. Right now he's reading the local files. So oh, I'm sorry. Why don't you give him a fucking minute? Okay. okay. Sorry, Bill. Um, Billiam, please. Billiam. <laughs> So he read through them, and wow, he was really struck by the fact that, first of all, there wasn't much there, and worst of all was that what was there showed that the local authorities had spent just a ton of time, in fact, almost all of their time, trying to prove that 
black people did this to themselves. Oh, for fuck's sake! To gain sympathy for the civil rights movement. What? Yeah. Fucking assholes! Holy shit! I'm glad we wasted the entire investigation on that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was basically useless. Yeah. So William Baxley was like, okay, I obviously need the FBI files. Got Brandy breathing down my neck. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he requested the FBI files, and they were like, uh, no, no. Yeah. Uh, First no. of all, sir, we only talked to the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I am the attorney general. Yeah, n- n- not the same. <laughs> <laughs> the policy of the FBI at the time was that they didn't share any files without first getting the approval of... The evil overlord, J. Edgar Hoover. When he was just really willing to help because he just wanted this crime solved. Oh, so badly. Yeah. Uh, William tried everything. He wrote letters to Congress. He reached out to the U.S. Attorney General. Nothing worked. Wow. So he had to basically reinvestigate this crime Mm -hmm. that had already been extensively investigated. Yeah, and he has to do it like... Five years later, seven Um, years later. Yeah. Yeah. I can do math. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Just takes a minute. That's all. Yeah. So the names of the guys who probably did this were in an FBI file. Mm -hmm. And the evidence against them was in that FBI file. And yeah, he just couldn't see it. Great. So it took a couple years of re-interviewing people, following leads, getting informants. But years passed and nothing happened. Finally, in 1976, he said, okay, FBI, you want to play hardball? Let's play hardball. Pretty soon, I'm going to take a trip to the Lincoln Memorial. And on that trip, I will bring the parents of Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robertson, and Denise McNair. And together, we will stand on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and tell the media that you are withholding critical information regarding the people who murdered their daughters. Wow. And the FBI agents collectively shit their pants. I'm just going to say piss their pants. It was so much worse than that. Okay. Yeah. Pissed, though, I feel like is worse because immediate, like, just everybody can see it immediately. You just see the slow spread of the wet spot across their pants. The shitting the pants, it is worse for the person who did it, but it takes a lot longer for other people around them to realize that that's happened. We are talking about an office building Uh full of FBI agents Uh who have all shat their pants. You're going to know right away. The stench is going to get you. Okay. Just like the rhythm is going to get you. (laughs) Stench is going to get you. The stench is going to get you. FBI just shat themselves. Um, anyway, please mm-hmm. don't interrupt again. <laughs> <laughs> Songs like that. So they did hand over some files. Yeah. But not all the files. Okay. Because they had to use something to wipe with. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it was enough that William Baxley thought he could at least prosecute the man he believed to be the ringleader of this crime. Mm-hmm. Robert Chamless. Yeah. A.K.A. Dynamite Bob. Dynamite Bob. How are we spelling his last name? 
Chambliss, C-H-A-M-B-L-I-S-S. Is that okay with you? Yeah, I was just curious. Thanks a lot for interrupting there. I had this big plan for an ad break right now where I'm like, Dynamite Bob. And now we go to an ad. But then you had to ask about the spelling of the name and boy. Okay, hold on. I'll get you right back in there. No, that's okay. What do people call him? No, you ruined it. (laughs) (laughs) Diddaloo! (laughs) And we're back from the ad. Diddaloo! Oh, I did like a kind of like you really brought really it. into it at the end there. Oh my I had no idea. You could be a singer. You could be Bobby Cherry. I could be Bobby singer. Cherry. Okay, back in business, Robert Chamless. Yeah, let's die my Bob. Pound his ass. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I just really hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you get. I know. You do. I know. You get so you go so far around that you're you're raping dudes. <laughs> I said let's pound his ass. I didn't say I'm gonna pound his ass. There was a vibe. There was a... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Three women became instrumental in the prosecution's case against Robert Chambliss. One was Elizabeth Cobbs, his niece. Turns out he talked to her about the bombing. Wow. And she wasn't willing to cover for him. <gasps> Good for her. Mm-hmm. Another person who came forward was Gail Tarrant. Gail had actually tried to warn the Birmingham police about the bombing before it happened. For real? Yeah, apparently. And they were like, sorry, we're busy. Yeah, we're we at a, a meeting. That we're night. at a clan meeting. <laughs> yeah, we're just buddies with them. Yeah, we're don't not worry, one we're and not, the same. Yeah. yeah, so she'd heard Robert saying the night before the bombing about doing something to quote the meeting place where the blank planned their marching. Another wow. key witness was a black woman named Curtis Glenn. She was visiting Birmingham from Detroit. She was actually originally from Birmingham. <laughs> Ma'am, what just happened? There was a fuzz (laughs) caught on the end of my finger. I was trying to be a pro, trying to not acknowledge it and keep telling my story. But it was such a long fuzz. It was. It was a very long fuzz, and I couldn't be a pro. All right, I'm sorry. I'm kind of a mess this episode. I know you haven't picked up on it at all. So she was in Birmingham at the time of the bombing. And she witnessed something fucking nuts. She said that at 2 in the morning on September 15th, she saw a car with three white men in it. The dome light was on, and she wasn't able to identify everyone, but she did later identify Robert Chambliss. And she had no trouble identifying the car. It was a white and blue 1957 Chevy. And I initially read that and was kind of like, well... I wonder why that stood out so much. Another article also added this fact, which I think is very relevant. That white and blue 1957 Chevy had a 10-foot-high antenna out the back, and they were flying a Confederate flag. Okay. So, yeah, that probably would stand the fuck out to someone. Yeah, I think so. Ten feet? Yeah. Well, you want to scare the shit out of everybody, Brandy. Holy shit, I guess. Guess what? Tommy Blanton, the chef who blanches things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad you remembered. <laughs> drove that exact same type of car. Oh, did he? Coincidence? Yes, probably. No, sure. Not uh-huh. at all. 
Another witness placed Robert at the scene of the bombing, watching the destruction. So, yeah, that was that was enough. On September 24th, 1977, Robert was finally indicted. And would you like to hear something absolutely nuts? Yes. Okay. Picture this man is charged with a hate crime, like the most horrible hate crime. Yeah. And he did the following thing. While leaving a grand jury room, Robert saw a cameraman. The cameraman was black. So Robert called him the N-word. Oh, my gosh. As he's walking out out from being charged with a hate crime? Yeah. And he's like, nope, I'm totally innocent. Didn't do this. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. His trial began in November of 1977. Church members and police officers. 1977? And, yeah, I'm afraid so. It's, it's horrible. Holy shit. Church members and police officers and fire marshals testified about what they'd witnessed that day. His niece, Elizabeth Cobbs, testified that before the bombing, he'd told her, just wait until after Sunday morning and they'll beg us to let them segregate. Wow. She said that after the bombing, he told her, quote, it wasn't meant to hurt anybody. It didn't go off when it was supposed to. Okay. Other witnesses talked about how Robert always had explosives lying around and how he loved to share those explosives with members of the KKK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think you get the nickname Wait, is he Dynamite Bob? He sure yeah, is. I don't think you get don't the you forget it. Dynamite Bob by not having explosives laying around. <laughs> Brandy's getting sad and sassy, which is <laughs> kind of a fun combination to witness, honestly. <laughs> Several Birmingham police officers testified that Robert had told them that he knew how to make a drip method bomb. I don't even know what that is. What an idiot. <laughs> Do you know what that is? No, but I've I've got a basic description here. It's okay. when you you make a bomb with a bucket with a hole in it and water and a fishing bobber and I'm guessing some you probably need bomb explosives. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of being like uh-huh, I've got the recipe right here and it's just a bucket with water and yeah. a fishing bobber. <laughs> An FBI agent testified that a fishing bobber was found about 20 feet from the explosion, but oopsies didn't ever make it back to the crime lab. Don't worry about it. Prosecutors delved into his bombing arrests, which evidently dated back to 1949. Wow. Yep. Yvonne Young, who had been the girlfriend of a Klansman, testified that she'd seen oversized firecrackers of dynamite in Robert's home. Mm -hmm. And to counter that, the defense introduced her medical records. They showed that she'd been treated for hallucinations and, quote, delusions suggestive of paranoid schizophrenia. Okay, so let me get this straight. Mm -hmm. They are claiming that this woman who saw dynamite (laughs) at Dynamite Bob's house imagined it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Can't listen to her. Okay. Bitches be crazy. That's what I'm always saying. Okay. Did, did, they, did they bring up in court that this guy is known by the name Dynamite Bob? And that would have been a real missed opportunity, yeah, sure don't you think? Sure would have been. 
<laughs> well, here's here's what the prosecutor did with this okay. after these medical records yeah. have been shared. The prosecutor gets up and he's like, hmm, well, she seemed perfectly fine when she testified on Wednesday. And if you'll notice, that breakdown that she had when she had to be hospitalized was a couple months after the bombing. Mm-hmm. So maybe she had that breakdown because she'd seen the dynamite that was used to blow mm-hmm. up four little girls. Maybe yeah. that's what the problem was. Yeah. Do we think that's a possibility? No, yeah. no, not at all. Yeah. Closing arguments took place on what should have been Denise McNair's 26th birthday. So the prosecutor asked the jurors to give Denise a birthday present by solving her murder. As he spoke, he lined the jury rail with photos of the girls' corpses. Oh, um, yeah, I, I did. I do think you kind of, when so much time has passed. Yeah, yeah it's important to remember the yeah. victims here. Yeah, and how horrible. Yeah, it how was. brutal this was. Yes. Defense attorney Art Haynes Jr., whose father had evidently been a segregationist mayor, gee, I wonder how Robert chose him, Mm -hmm. uh, tried to get the jury to be reasonable. Oh, okay. Okay, I can tell you're getting real emotional about this, and Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, Birmingham had a bad reputation for being super racist, but you can't go outside the evidence for a verdict. There's not enough here. If his client was guilty of anything, Brandy, Mm -hmm. it was a little rough talk. Well, yeah. He said, rough talk does not make murder. Mr. Chambliss did not have any monopoly on rough talk in those days. And I'll ask you one other thing. How would you like to be judged on what was said around your kitchen table? We never once talked about bombing a church around my my kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was the same story for the jury members because they found him guilty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will admit we've had some weird conversations sure. around my dinner table. Sure. Yeah. Stuff you wouldn't necessarily want repeated. None of them involved a hate crime, though. Uh, no. No. Nope. Mm-mm. So he was sentenced to life in prison. When it was time for him to actually go to prison, a few deputies approached him and Robert said, no cuffs, no cuffs. I'm sorry, sir. It's not up to you. And those aren't the rules. So they didn't cuff him, did they? They sure didn't. Yeah. Fuck this. Fuck this whole thing. Uh Uh-huh. Can you fucking believe that? No cuffs, no cuffs. And they're just like, okay. No problem, Bob. Sorry about this whole thing. Yeah. As he was being taken away... Not handcuffs. Not in cuffs. He turned to his lawyers and said, what a shame to put that whole thing on the back of an old 73-year-old man. Oh, fuck off, dynamite Bob. Do you need a Kleenex to dry your I tears? do not. Yep. Robert appealed his sentence on the grounds that he didn't get a speedy trial. <laughs> okay. Fucking nerve. The appellate court rejected his request. And then, in a highly unusual move, they worked together to create a small sculpture. It was kind of thick and pointy. Okay. And they handed it to him. Mm-hmm. And they said, sit on this and spin. Okay. <laughs> you liked writing that, didn't you? <laughs> 
I just can't believe an appellate court did yeah, that. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? It, it was unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. And so Robert died in prison in October of 1985. And that sculpture was lodged so far up his ass. They say he could taste it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He always denied being involved in the bombing, but no one could hear his final denial because that handmade dildo was so far up his ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, I don't invent these stories. You okay? don't? <laughs> no. But, you know, Robert was just one of the bombers. There were definitely more. Mm-hmm. Bill... William Billiam Baxley served two terms as attorney general, which was the limit. He ran for governor but didn't win. Mm-hmm. And with Bill out of office, no one else in power seemed to give a shit about holding the other bombers responsible. Neat. Years passed. More years? So many years. Finally, in the early 90s, the agents in the Birmingham FBI office were trying to figure out why their office had such a terrible relationship with black folks in Birmingham. Yeah, shocking. Real head-scratcher. Yeah. And so, in 1994, Special Agent Rob Langford met with members of the black community trying to figure out, hey, why aren't we all BFs? I almost said BFS. (laughs) I think the phrase is BFFs. Mm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow, Robert didn't see this coming. This can't possibly be true. But the stuff I read was like, he was stunned to learn that the reason people didn't trust the FBI was because they were like, look what you did or didn't do with the 16th Street church bombing. Did he not know about it? I don't know, man. Okay. That seems so tone deaf to me. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Okay. I think... I think he'd heard about the dildo thing. Okay. But not- <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so Rob left that meeting saying that he would look into it. And he did. Mm-hmm. But did it happen quickly? No. no. Nothing, nothing in this case has happened quickly. Because everything is terrible. Yeah. Except for the dildo. And I made that up. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Sometimes I just have to bring a little Christian. I said Christian you justice. Didn't even say your name. Uh, today is rough. I don't know what's happening to me. It's a total breakdown. Your name is Kristen. I know. <laughs> what day is it? I don't, it's Who's Wednesday. The president? Oh God. So many good questions. <laughs> So in 1997, the FBI and the Birmingham police announced that they were reopening the case. Okay. By that point, one of the alleged bombers, Herman Frank Cash, was dead. He died at his bank job, Mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah, naturally. So that left two more key suspects. Bobby Cherry. And Thomas Blanton. Uh Uh-huh. Inventor of blanching. Blanching, yeah. By that point, Bobby was 59 and he was living in East Texas. And he better have been going by fucking Bob by that point. No, I don't believe so. Bobby (laughs) Cherry. Which, honestly, at this point, in fairness, if I'd committed a hate crime, I would also go by Bobby. Bobby. Because you're just trying like hell to be as adorable as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, He got real annoyed. 
Oh, know? did he? Yeah, by them reopening this investigation, mm-hmm. dragging his name through the mud. Yeah. What the hell? Putting that dirt all on his name. So he held a news conference to say that he was innocent. He did. He did. Okay. Love it. Uh-huh. That turned out to be a terrible decision. Yeah, did it? <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> they run that idea by anyone? <laughs> Here's what happened. (laughs) A lot of people saw that news conference and they were like, hold on. He bragged to me about doing the bombing. Oh, so they came forward. Yeah. Incredible. You love to see it. Yeah. One of his ex-wives came forward. A random acquaintance came forward. His own granddaughter came forward and they were like, yeah, hello. He told me he did it. Um, for what it's worth, Thomas Blanton also claimed to be innocent, but he never held a news conference. And that makes me sad because this news conference brought me so much joy. Yeah. So finally, on May 16th, 2000, the year fucking 2000. In the year, year 2000. Holy shit. Bobby and Tommy were both arrested and indicted on eight counts of first degree murder. The plan was to try them together. But in November of 2000, Bobby Cherry's lawyers were like, no, yeah. no, uh-uh, you Please can't, no. no, our client has <laughs> dementia. Um. Oh, he's mentally incompetent to assist with his own defense. Oh, no. <laughs> so that bought Bobby some time. Yeah. But Thomas's case kept on moving. Uh-huh. And that, oh, he's Thomas now? Yeah. I called him Tommy. To yeah. humiliate him. Oh, okay. Because I think any grown man should be yes. humiliated to be called Tommy. Okay. That's fine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what about what's his nuts? Who? Uh, Tommy Lee. Do you think he can go by Tommy just because he's got that big old dong? I am not a fan of Tommy Lee. Neither am I, but... So I, I shit on him, too. <laughs> okay. I shit on all of it. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Are you done talking about shit? <laughs> Too bad. Okay, so the prosecution shit in their trousers because neither of these two cases was very strong. And the one against Thomas was the weakest. And now they're going to have to do that one solo and first. Okay. So they're like, okay, we need to go back through everything and see if there is any piece of evidence that we may have missed. And it turned out that they had missed something. What did they missed? What did they missed? What had they missed? Oh, I was so excited that you had messed up. This is devastating. It's possible that's not what I said, but I'm pretty Let's sure it's Let's go what with I said. it. Uh, it was something big, Brandy. Mm-mm. It was? Mm-hmm. Like a note from Tommy that said, I bombed. It's better this, than that. What is it? Video surveillance. <laughs> Oh, not not quite that good. Calm okay. down. It's the fucking 60s. Yeah, we got a Zapruder film <laughs> of the church bombing. Zapruder? Ma'am. Oh, my what? God. What? Okay, that's the film of the Kennedy assassination. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> my goodness. Which I... happened in 1963. Yes, I mentioned it in this very script two months after the bombing. <laughs> okay. Let me teach you a thing or two. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, as it turned out... Way back in the day when the FBI first suspected that Thomas or Tommy was involved, mm-hmm. an FBI agent posed as a truck driver and rented the apartment next to Tom's. And he drilled into their shared wall. What? And he put a microphone under Tom's kitchen sink. 
Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. So they have recording of him talking about the bombing? Maybe they do. Can they use it? So they listen and listen. And these recordings were mostly shit. Like, yeah. mostly silence, obviously. Yeah. Um, and boring, muffled conversations. Yeah. But as it turns out, nine months after the bombing, that hidden microphone captured something meaningful. Okay, picture it. Okay. It's a conversation between Tom, his wife, Jean, and some dude, some unnamed dude. He says like three words. Okay. We don't care about him. All right. Maybe Forget we do. Maybe we do care. I, anyway. Okay. Um, and it seems to have taken place either right after Jean was interviewed by the FBI or maybe they were just talking about her interview with the FBI. Okay. And here's how it went. Jean. Well, you never bothered to tell me what you went to the river for, Tommy. Tom. What did you tell them I did? Jean. You didn't even... Tom. What did you tell them I did at the river? What did they ask you I did at the river? Jean. They asked me what you went for and I told them I didn't know. Tom. They were interested in that meeting that I went to. They knew I went to the meeting. Jean. What meeting? A meeting where they planned the bombing. Tom. To the big one. Jean. What big one? Tom. The meeting where we planned the bomb. Holy shit! (laughs) Jean. Tommy, what meeting are you talking about now? Tom. We had that meeting to make the bomb. Jean. I know that. It's what you were doing that Friday night when you stood me up. Tom. Oh, we were making the bomb. Oh, my gosh! Gene. Modern Sign Company? Tom. Yeah. That's where they made the bomb? Gene. I think I said bond. (laughs) They made bond Bond bonds and and a bomb. Because you get hungry. You do. You got to have some snacks. When you're committing hate crimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gene. I tell you what got me is when they told me that modern, some people at Modern Sign Company said you weren't there. Tom. Said I wasn't there. Gene. Mm-hmm. Tom. Oh, well, that's... Okay, now we got the unknown mail. Gene, you don't learn anything with the FBI. Every breath they utter is a lie. Gene. I know, but I didn't know that then, and I didn't know whether to think you stood me up to go out with somebody else. That's the first thing that hit me. You stood me up to go out with Waylene. Waylene? Isn't it funny how this thing, these things can fall apart? This man fucking murdered four little girls, and she's like, what? He wasn't bombing places? He was out with Waylene? Waylene? Potentially, I'm going to sing like a canary. Oh, my gosh. So this was huge. Yeah. Okay. You perked up at the sign shop a little bit. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, That's going to turn out to be a big deal. That sign shop was a clan hangout, and it was just three blocks from the church. Okay. And here he is on tape saying that's where they made the bomb. And I just want to say that not all sign shops are clan hangouts. That's right. Not all sign shops are are, uh, meeting locations for for hate crimes to be planned. 
Some um, of them are just good, wholesome family businesses. Brandy's family uh, has a sign shop. And we don't want to brag about it, okay? But not one bombing has been planned there. Not Never. a single That's one. Right. <laughs> not a single Miriam one signs And Miriam cancels. Yes. <laughs> And that's the best ad you guys are ever going to get right there. (laughs) So, okay. You mentioned something earlier, like, are they going to let this in court? Yeah. What do you think? Well, he was recorded without his knowledge, which seems like a concern. I don't know what Alabama's laws are about that. Well, we do have the Fourth Amendment. Okay. Which, of course, stops the appellate court's. From making dildos. custom dildos for us to sit on. Okay. Now, clearly, they didn't pay any attention. They broke that law. Yeah. Okay. Clean off. <laughs> See? All I have to do is be gross for long enough, and eventually you join in. Glad to have you with me, Brandy. Okay, so... <laughs> So the defense argued that the recording was a violation of Thomas's Fourth Amendment rights, which actually is more about unlawful search yes, and, and seizure. seizure. Yeah. Not not a thing about dildos. No. But in in their defense, when the founding fathers were writing these documents. The dildo hadn't been invented yet. Oh, I'm sure it had, actually, yeah, now I, that I think about yeah. it. Yeah. But the thing is, dildo technology wasn't as advanced as it is sure. today. These sure. were more rudimentary mm-hmm. dildos. Yeah, custom dildos were not being no. made. No, 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 not at all. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, the prosecution had a really interesting argument against okay. that. They against s- the dildos? <laughs> No, the prosecution was pro-dildos. Pro-dildos, okay. Okay. The truth was the prosecution wanted these guys to fry. Yeah, Um, they want these recordings in, so... No, they literally in the first trial... Um, the <laughs> the prosecutor was like, I wish I could get these guys, this guy, the death penalty. Unfortunately, it's not not on the table here. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure he would have been perfectly fine with a dildo situation. I'm sorry, I keep bringing it up. <laughs> um, no, uh, the prosecution's argument was about Thomas's Fourth Amendment rights not being violated. Correct. Here's what they said. They said that in 1964, Tom and Jean, by their own admission had no expectation of privacy. They both suspected that their apartment and their phone lines were bugged. In fact, around that time, they ended almost every single one of their phone calls by saying, bye, FBI. (gasps) And the judge was like, okay. Yeah. Roll the tapes. Yeah. They're in. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yep. Thomas Blanton's trial kicked off in April of 2001. That is nuts. 2001? That's terrible. It's terrible. Holy shit. The bombing happened in 1963, and this is 2001. Yeah. In opening statements, Tom's defense attorney did our absolute favorite thing, Brandy. What'd he do? He's like... (laughs) Hey, my client sucks ass. We all hate him. Everybody hates him. No one likes him. All kinds of shitty stuff, but he didn't do this shitty thing. Yeah. Yeah. He he literally said, just because you don't like him, that doesn't make him responsible for the bombing. He was a loudmouth. He was Mm -hmm. a segregationist. But the government wants you to make the leap that because he was so offensive, he must have been the one who blew up the church. And he was also like, also the evidence isn't very strong, which I mean... Yeah, there wasn't a lot of physical yeah. evidence. Yeah. And by that, I mean there was no physical no, evidence. No, zero physical evidence. Yes. Yeah. 
the prosecution called on a lot of witnesses who testified to Tom's next-level racism. They covered a lot of the same ground that was covered in Robert's trial, and they played the tape that we just discussed. And the defense eventually, eventually, essentially, <laughs> I thought you were trying to say eventually. Uh, who, kn- <laughs> who the hell knows? I thought you were trying to say the defense eventually, but like yeah. you couldn't get off the F sound. Everyone, I got to tell you, poor Patty, poor Patty. By the time you listen to this, Patty will have taken a lot of my flubs out. But just know that I've barely gotten through. I don't know what my problem is. First of all, I hate this crime. Yeah. Why? I don't want to ever cover child murder again. Okay. Why did I do this to myself? Yeah. You can only ask yourself that question. I can only ask myself that question. Nobody made you do this. I know. That's the worst part. It's the worst part. Um. Anyway, I hate it all. So the defense, <laughs> the defense essentially said those tapes are super old. You yeah. can barely hear what's on them, which is true. Yeah. I mean, like they had to call in experts to try to piece this mm-hmm. shit together. The prosecution also played another tape, which was recorded by a fellow Klansman who had become an informant for the FBI. Great. Here's how part of that conversation went. Tom, they ain't going to catch me when I bomb my next church. Informant, how did you do that, Tommy? Tom, oh, it wasn't easy, boy, I'll tell you. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like an admission to me. Could be. What's the or, defense going to say? Or, hear me out, what if they're it's just, just... It's just a guy bragging. This is yeah. locker room talk. Yeah, yeah. It's two drunk rednecks mm-hmm. just trying to impress each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The defense didn't have a whole lot going on. They called two witnesses. And in closing arguments, U.S. Attorney Robert Posey said, quote, These children must not have died in vain. Don't let the deafening blast of his bomb be what's left ringing in our ears. Wow. The defense kind of took a page from Robert Chambliss's defense team by asking the jury not to convict their client simply because they wanted to hold someone accountable for this crime. Mm-hmm. The attorney said, every one of you knows that this case is somehow linked to the image of this city. Don't get caught up in it. No, Okay. The jury deliberated for all of two hours. What was the makeup of this jury? Do you know? Oh, gosh. I meant to include. So, um, oh, Lord. Let's see if I can remember. Because there's going to be a couple trials here. Mm-hmm. Um, not super racially diverse. Mm-hmm. I remember one trial had no black women on uh-huh. it, which the prosecution was pretty upset about. Yeah. But, yeah, my memory is mostly white juries mm-hmm. with some black people. Okay. All right. The jury deliberated for two hours. They found him guilty on four counts of first-degree murder. Mm -hmm. He was sentenced to life in prison times four. I'd never heard that phrasing before, but I like it. Yeah. The mother of Carol Robertson, Alpha Robertson, was 82 years old. She was one of very few surviving parents of Mm -hmm. the murdered girls at this point. And she spoke to reporters from a wheelchair. She said... They say that justice delayed is justice denied. And folks, I don't believe that for a minute. I'm very happy that justice came down today. I didn't know if it would come in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I read something that another one of the parents said about 
how they just kind of had to divorce themselves from the idea of their daughter's murderers yeah. ever facing justice. Yeah. Like they just couldn't focus on them. Yeah. I feel like that'd be the only way to survive, oh, but gosh. I don't even Abs- know how, how you, you do, do it. that. Exactly. How do you do that? I think faith in a higher power. Mm-hmm. I I assume. Yeah. So that just left Bobby Cherry. Yeah. His music career had gone nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Yeah. His news conference career, a total bust. <laughs> he was just a racist old man with a cute little name. Yeah. And he couldn't possibly stand trial. His brain was literal oatmeal, Brandy. Oh, that's right. He has dementia, right? Yeah, super bad dementia. Okay. You wouldn't believe the how bad. The worst kind of dementia. Yeah. Wouldn't believe it. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, the prosecution tried to argue that his brain was not oatmeal, but the judge was like, I don't know. Seems pretty, pretty mealy to me. Pretty soft and squishy to me. Yeah. So in July of 2001, the judge was like, okay, prosecution, sorry, but you have not shown that this dude is competent mm-hmm. to stand trial. So I'm going to commit Bobby to a mental health facility to be evaluated. And that proved to be quite illuminating. Oh, did it? Yeah. So in that setting, Bobby was observed constantly. And he didn't have dementia? Well, sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. Okay. Well, that's the thing in dementia. You have good days and bad days. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Here's what the staff noticed. The staff noticed that after a couple months, when Bobby knew he was being tested and when he he was being observed... The man was as dumb as a lima bean, and that's a saying. Is that? No, it's not. I don't think so. Um, when he didn't know he was being tested and when Seemed he pretty didn't. Sharp. Yeah, pretty sharp. Okay. Uh-huh. Funny how that worked out, That huh? is interesting. So this went back to the judge, and the judge was like, oh, look at you. You got a faker. Competent to stand trial. Congratulations. Yeah. Dementia cured. <laughs> <laughs> So his dementia adjourned. <laughs> <laughs> so his trial began in May of 2002. Holy shit. Yep. The prosecution's first witness was Alpha Robertson, mother of Carol Robertson. Mm-hmm. She talked about her daughter and about the bombing. The prosecution played incredible video evidence of Bobby's violent racism. Wow. This is this is fucking nuts to me. They had a tape of civil rights leader Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth. So it was taken when Reverend Shuttlesworth went to register his children at the all-white high school. I believe this was like late 1950s. And it showed an angry mob of white people Mm -hmm. trying to stop him. And the prosecutor paused the video. And in that frame, the jury saw a young Bobby Cherry grinning at Fred Shuttlesworth. They played some more of the tape. Bobby continued to grin. He pulled a set of brass knuckles out of his pocket, put them on, and struck the reverend in the head. (gasps) Holy shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy was a piece of shit. Prosecutors called officers who could poke holes in Bobby's stories. In 1997, he'd told a detective that, oh, I no, I wasn't involved in the Klan. I quit the Klan a year before the bombing because my know. wife had cancer. Yeah. 
had to give it up on account of cancer? I think that makes sense. Hey, boys, I don't have time to talk about <laughs> hate. I got to take my wife to the hospital. Okay. Sure. Right. Sure. But the prosecutor busted out his wife's medical records, and they showed that she was diagnosed with cancer in August of 1965. Oh, so, a couple years after the bombing. Oops. Okay. In that same interview, Bobby had told the detective that he was at home on the Saturday night before the bombing. He was watching wrestling on TV, just really enjoying wrestling. Mm-hmm. So the prosecution busted out. A TV guide? Oh, I, I wrote an old-timey TV guide. I Technically, they didn't say that, but I hope it was the old-timey TV yeah. guide. Yeah. TV guides were so great. Yes. They had good articles. Yes. Mm. And I challenge you to have gone to a grandma's house in the 90s and not found the TV guide on the little chair next to yes. the recliner. All right, we've gone down memory lane far enough here. Wasn't there like a crossword puzzle in there, too? Don't act like you don't know. They had all kinds of games in there. Yeah. Yeah, riddles. Yes! Jokes. Fuck. Almost as good as a Reader's Digest. Oh, I loved Reader's Digest, too! Uh, Boy, life sucks now, huh? Anyway, so they bust out the old-timey TV guy. Yeah. No wrestling on that night. No wrestling on that night. And they turned to the defense and they said, wrestle with that. Stupid. They wish they'd said that. Yeah. They thought about that on the drive home. On the drive home. Damn it! Damn it! Bobby's ex-wife, Willa Dean Brogdon, same Willa Dean who, like, the other lady had been worried about, probably. It was a small town. Yeah, no, that was... Try that in a small town. It wasn't Willa Dean. It wasn't Willa Dean? No, it was Will Jean or something. No, it was Willa Dean. I don't think it was. Was it Jimmy Dean? It Controversial. was, yeah. I'm, okay, He's... that's it. That's it. I'm looking it up. Okay. I swear to you, it's Willa Dean. Uh oh! That only comes. This is, yeah, this is what the was, first time today I'm hearing. What did you say? I it think was? it was like Will Jean, Will Jean, or something. Will Jean? Yes. That's not a name. Okay, hang on. What's another word I can search? I don't know. I'm not even asking you. I'm asking myself. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Wayleen. Wayleen. Okay. Oh gosh. Oh man, we weren't even close. Samsonite. <laughs> <laughs> I was way off. <laughs> Willa Dean and Wayling. Damn it. I was really hoping there was some messiness yeah, here. No, uh-uh. Evidently not. Okay, <laughs> let's see here. Let me get back to Willa Dean. <laughs> not Wayling. <laughs> okay, his his wife's name I'm is finding Willa Dean. I'm finding this First of all, Bobby had like five wives, okay. 15 kids. It's too much. Legit? 15 kids? Yeah. Are about exaggerating? No, I, I don't think I am. But in fairness, I don't know that Bobby could tell you how many kids That's he so had. so many fucking kids. It's too many kids. That's damn near Duggar status. Sure is. Are you going to cover the Duggars? Oh, God. You know what? It's It's one... I fear it would be like this one, where yeah. like a week beforehand, I'm like, oh, that'll be a good one to cover. Lots yeah. to make fun. First of all, I love to make fun of the women's voice. Yeah. Hi there, Brandy. <laughs> it does sound like Michelle Duggar. I know. I know. <laughs> but it's so dark. Yeah. 
It is dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might cover it. Yeah, when you got parents covering up molestation by one of their children, it's real dark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The molestation of their children by another one of their children. To be fair, he didn't just keep it in the family, but Okay. Yeah, I've that, that's the yeah. that's the gross part is I've I've watched all the stuff you know on the, that. You know all the stuff, yeah. Yeah. And I've asked myself, do I want to cover this? And the yeah. answer is usually no, thanks. Yeah. All right. I'll keep asking you. <laughs> okay. I'm, I might develop the courage. <laughs> so anyway, um, Bobby's ex-wife, Willa Dean. Yeah. Not Jimmy not Dean. Not with... Willa Jean. Not Norma Jean. No, it is Willa Dean. <laughs> <laughs> she testified for the prosecution. <laughs> it's not Waylene. <laughs> oh, not Waylene. I didn't even say the right one. No. <laughs> in, in fairness. <laughs> Some of these names sound totally made up. To Not me. even real names. No, no. Yeah. I never heard of a Waylene before. No. <laughs> My grandma <laughs> used to live across the street yeah. from a kid named Cooter Bill. Oh, I feel like we've talked about this before. Oh, yeah, of course we have. Cooter yeah. Bill Cooter and Clara Bell. Yeah. Um, I see it's to country me, stuff. Yeah, to me, Waylene, way out there. And this is coming from a woman who has a grandmother named Shirlene. So. Sure. It's not even that far off. No, it's not. And that's even her middle name that she goes by. First name's Wanda. <laughs> Wanda Shirley. Yeah. You know what? I think it's it's part of the era. I think yeah. this era, mm-hmm. the Eans, yeah. it was kind of a sexy name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my, my grandma's always a hot little number, Chris. <laughs> Listen, this is like your name. How I tell you, sorry, Brandy is a hot girl name. And you're like, no, it's not. But it is. It just is. Okay. Just like how Bobby Cherry's a cute name. Bobby Cherry right? is a cute name. There's no arguments there. It is a cute fucking name. And Brandy is a hot girl name. Mm, yes. Okay. It, it, it can't. Oh, boy, she's pissing me off. <laughs> Brandy, I've made you a sculpture. <laughs> I'm not taking your custom-made dildo. Thank you very much. Damn it. If I had the authority of an appellate court judge, you'd have no choice. So anyway, Willa Dean, yeah. who was a real person, yes. uh, testified that he'd told her that he, quote, lit the fuse. Oh. His granddaughter, Teresa Stacy, also testified for the prosecution. She told the jury, quote, he said he helped blow up a bunch of bleep back in Birmingham. Holy shit. A bunch of witnesses testified that he'd bragged about the bombing. Because why keep that a secret that you yeah, so murdered four kids? Is the defense going to do the locker room talk thing again about this? Just hang on okay. there. Just hang on there. I love I love what the defense did. Okay. You're going to love it, too. I don't think I, I guarantee am. You know, I think you're going to enjoy this very okay. much. Right. Um. What the prosecution really wanted to do was play the tapes that they'd played at Thomas Blanton's trial. And that was kind of interesting because Bobby was never mentioned on those yeah, tapes. Yeah, why? What do those have anything? Is he maybe, is he the third man on there? No. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. It was the stuff about the sign shop. Oh, that was, was very he known interesting. to hang out at the sign shop? Does See, he work at the sign shop? Did he own the sign shop? <laughs> no. Okay. No. No. None of those things. But, well, a little of the first one. Okay. In an interview just a few weeks after the bombing, Bobby told the FBI agents that he had gone to the sign shop on the Friday before the bombing. 
shit. He said he'd gone there to make signs for a protest against integration of public schools. He said he'd been there with Robert Chambliss and Tommy Blanton. He'd gotten there at 5.30, stayed until after midnight. He signed a five-page statement. Okay, so this just happens to be the night that they made the bomb, but he didn't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, so he signed this statement linking him to Robert and yeah. Tommy, linking him to the place where the bomb was either created or at the very least planned. Yeah. So the prosecution could definitely show the jury that five-page statement. I mean, that was obviously admissible. Yeah. But they needed to play that tape in order to connect the dots, because if they don't Don't have the that, dots, yeah, well, exactly. Mm-hmm. And of course... Bobby's defense was like, no, 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 relevance. No. They tried to argue that what was on the tape was hearsay. And that's a decent argument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? what? What would you be well, arguing? It's not hearsay. It's a direct recording of someone. But is it relevant to I would think relevance is the bigger argument. How does that how is that pertinent to this hmm. trial? Well, It's relevant because the prosecution took the tactic of saying that the three men conspired together to bomb the church. Sure. And afterward, they conspired together to conceal the truth. And that's basically a hearsay loophole because if there's a conspiracy afoot, anything said by one co-conspirator against another can be used against in court. I got so excited. I got so excited. I lost lost words. Didn't lose the meaning, though. No, we all got it. Fucked. Yeah, he's Mm -hmm. fucked. He can. They can play the recording. Yeah. So they play it, and And then hang on. I'm not even done telling you the exciting legal mumbo jumbo. Tell us about the loophole. Okay. Now, normally, the conspiracy ends after the crime is committed. Yeah. But the conspiracy to conceal. Yes. Yeah. So under Alabama state law. They're doing conspiracy to conceal, blah, 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 doesn't necessarily end right after the crime is committed. So it didn't matter that this was recorded nine months after the bombing. It was all part of the conspiracy to conceal. Yeah, sure. Okay. I was very excited about all that. I'm going (laughs) to calm down now. So the tape was allowed in. And the defense, well, they did their best. Mm -hmm. They really didn't have much. Yeah. So they called character witnesses. They called Bobby's pastor, mm-hmm. who said that Bobby fit right in at church. And guess what? They had black folks at church. Mm-hmm. So what more do you fucking want? Yeah. Um, I'm not racist. I have black friends. Don't worry about That's that their video defense. of me. From, <laughs> well, and not even, I love that it's not even <laughs> black friends. It's like he fits in yeah. at church. I go to church with black people. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Okay. Now, Bobby's grandson is about to take my award for the best character witness there has ever been. Okay. What's he saying? Okay. He's there to defend his grandpa, right? Mm -hmm. Good guy. Good guy. Okay. He was asked whether he'd ever heard his grandfather use a racial slur. Here's what he said. Only on days ending in Y. Let's explore that, actually. Go down that route a little further. Because <laughs> you're not far off. Really? Just tell me. <laughs> he said, no. Only the use of the word bleep. The, the N-word. I'm sorry. He so do you said, not think that's a racial slur? Doesn't that say a lot? It sure fucking does. Isn't that like the yes! racial slur? <laughs> yes. 
Have you ever heard your grandfather use a racial slur? No. No. no only the, the N-word. Yeah. Can you? Oh, my it? gosh. Yeah. Oh, it says so much. It says fucking everything. Yeah. Most amazing character witness of all time. Yeah. I'm putting him up there. Yeah. Do you have a picture of him? Is there like a plaque? Well, I don't really want to celebrate this guy okay. in that sense. Okay. Although, you know what? Actually, maybe we should because mm-hmm. to me that is so hilarious. Yeah. When he's actually giving the perfect statement yeah. about his grandfather's character. Yeah. He just doesn't really know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Did the, did the prosecutor jump up in the courtroom and, like, click his heels together when... He sprayed confetti. Yeah. It's funny because when he got dressed that day, he's like, should I put confetti in my pockets? He's like, Probably not. never you know? know. And he, it's like he'd been going around for years with yeah. confetti in his pockets waiting for the perfect moment. And you think it's going to happen. It just yeah. never happens. Mm-hmm. You don't walk upon a proposal or like a baby shower just any old time. Yeah. But then that happened and boom. Yeah. Confetti. Confetti pockets mm-hmm. came in handy. Mm-hmm. So you have them in both pockets or just one? Oh. Uh-huh. You know what? For court, it does seem more dignified to just have one. Yeah. Yeah. And um, probably all just confetti that's all one color. Oh, right. Sure. And not too small. Actually, no. I think the opposite. I think you got to do the real small confetti so it could just be like vacuumed up afterward. Sure. Okay. I'm glad we've discussed this. Me too. Me too. In closing statements, the defense was like, hey, okay, our our client is super racist. (laughs) (laughs) We're not denying it, okay? Uh, We can't deny it. He's a fucking racist. racist. (laughs) His grandson screwed the pooch. (laughs) (laughs) So they're doing the thing of like, look, we're not trying to deny it, but he's not a bomber, okay? And the prosecution was like, hey. Hey, great news. I'm going to make this super easy for you. You can either believe that Bobby was telling the truth when he bragged about being involved in the mm-hmm. bombing, or you can believe Bobby was telling the truth when he said he was at the sign shop and they planned the bombing. Either way, he's guilty. Yep. The jury deliberated for six hours. Wow. I know. Okay. They were probably talking about their grandson. Can you believe he said Maybe that? They were picking confetti out of their hair. No, they weren't because he only had one pocket oh, full. Okay. It's like we didn't even have that discussion, <laughs> honestly. They found him guilty on all counts, yeah. and he was sentenced to life in prison. But it had been almost 39 years yeah. since the bombing. Bobby appealed his sentence. His attorneys argued that he hadn't gotten a speedy trial. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the fucking nerve. Yeah. <laughs> So the court that was for anybody who was wondering. <laughs> what do you think they mistook that for? <laughs> I don't know. I was just making it again. Brandy's just farting up a storm. I'm not. The court of appeals denied that appeal, and in a somewhat unusual move, they created a medium-sized sculpture, and it was kind of stout and pointy, and they told him to sit on it and mm-hmm. spin. Okay. Bobby Cherry died in November of 2004 in prison. Was something found deep in lodged, his rectum? Lodged deep inside? We don't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, frankly, it's none of our business. That's right. Yeah. K. 
Okay. So I'm not even going to go into that. Sure. Okay, I'm just going to move along. Mm -hmm. In 2016, Thomas Blanton went up for parole. And the parole board debated for all of 90 seconds before turning him down. And as they turned him down, they made the, at this point, not very unusual decision to present him with a large sculpture. Okay. (laughs) And he knew what to do. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Jesus. He died in 2020 in prison from sculpture-related causes. It wasn't COVID. Mm -hmm. So don't worry. Okay. Twas the sculpture that got him. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not end on that note, okay? Let's not. Instead, let's talk about the girls. Okay. In 2013, just before the 50th anniversary of the bombing, Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robertson, and Denise McNair were awarded Congressional Gold Medals. They did not die in vain. Their murders woke a lot of people up. Mm-hmm. Sarah Collins Rudolph, who was in the bathroom of the church that day and is often referred to as the fifth little girl, is still working for justice. This part drives me nuts. Okay, so she was permanently injured yeah. in the bombing that day. And she spent most of her life working in factories or as a house cleaner. And so she rarely ever had health insurance. She did eventually get it through her husband's job. But she had all these medical bills that I'm sorry. Yeah. (sighs) She should not be responsible for paying. No, not at all. Especially when you have state officials Mm -hmm. sharing hateful rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. And police looking the other way Mm -hmm. when shit gets bombed. Yeah. No, she should not have had to pay for any of her own medical bills. In October of that year, she went to the Birmingham City Council and asked about restitution. But they said no. I, I read an article saying that she had hired attorneys and tried to get some sort of restitution based on the argument that, like, State officials played a role in this. Yes. I couldn't find anything saying Mm -hmm. that she got any money. But she appears to be doing pretty well now. She is a speaker on social justice issues, and she was present at the unveiling of a sculpture honoring the victims of the bombing. The sculpture is titled Four Spirits, and it was unveiled on the 50th anniversary of the bombing. Can I look it up? Yeah. It's beautiful. So it depicts the four girls as they got ready for Youth Sunday. And at the base of the sculpture is an inscription with the title for the sermon that the girls should have lived to hear that Uh day. And the sermon was supposed to be a love that forgives. Mm. At the unveiling, the Reverend Joseph. Oh, it is beautiful. Yeah. Do you want to describe it? Because I didn't really describe it. I just said that they were getting ready for the youth service. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah, you've got one one girl. It looks like she's doing tying the mm-hmm. thing. Tying but then the there's snatch. another girl like releasing birds. Yeah. Yeah. It's very like playful. Playful. And whimsical. Like, yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. And I believe I read that it was designed by a Birmingham born mm-hmm. artist. So at the unveiling, the Reverend Joseph Laurie told the crowd 
Don't let anybody tell you these children died in vain. We wouldn't be here right now had they not gone home before our eyes. And that is the story of the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. Oh, boy. I think a lot, a lot of, it's frustrating to me because this isn't justice. This is bullshit. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it took so fucking long is insane. But what these girls' parents did Mm -hmm. and what their community did. I mean, they they really fought for civil rights yeah. and made huge strides. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, it's a terrible story. I hated it very much. Yeah. You told it very well. It was did horrible. I? I, I don't know that I did tell it very well. I stumbled all no, the way through it. No, you did wonderful. And then I realized that I'd been referring to the dildo as a sculpture, and then I, I ended with oh, talk of the sculpture, and I hated that. Yeah, wish, it be, would be nice if we could undo that now. Yeah, it would be but. great. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I had to invent a dildo subplot mm-hmm. for this story. Of course you did. I had no choice because mm-hmm. these men evaded justice for decades. Yes. So what was I supposed to do? Not invent? Right. This storyline where they all were given dildos. Death yeah. by, no, not death just by, given. Death by dildo. Death by dildo. Yeah. Remember that thing that I said about you coming all the way around and. I know. Yeah. Um, when you said that, it really, really hit home because I knew I had a lot of dildo <laughs> jokes in this. And I was like, huh, I guess I do that, don't I? When I'm really mad in a case. <laughs> And it doesn't feel like there's quite enough justice. Mm-hmm. I sprinkle on. You do. That is a thing you do. Some of my own violent sexual mm-hmm. justice. Yeah. Violent <laughs> sexual justice. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Coming to you on TNT. Oh, boy. <laughs> Should we take some questions from the Discord now? My God. Yes, please. Yeah. How do you get in the Discord? We haven't even plugged our Patreon. Oh, shit. What the hell? We have one of those. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. Oh, wow. Well, what what more do we need? Hmm? Get on there right now, folks. <laughs> we got 51 bonus episodes. Yeah, 51 meaty they fucking are bonus meaty episodes. Boys. Also, if you want to get some Let's Go to Court merch, go to our website. Oh, yeah. LGTCpodcast.com. We've got juvenile Bigfoot hoodies. Yeah. We've got Let's Go to Court t-shirts. Yes, we We've do. got tumblers. Yeah. We have all that stuff. Stickers. Check it out. We've got a sticker that says Dick's Insider, and I still don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I love this question. B asks, how many owls would you have to see in a day to think it's weird? Two. You think you think it at two? I think you think it at three. At two, you're like, what a weird coincidence. What a coincidence. I saw two owls today. Yeah, what a weird coincidence. Three. No, you think it's a coincidence at two. It's not weird. Like, what the fuck is happening until you see the third owl? Okay, but weird and what the fuck is happening are two different levels Mm. Mm ma'am that's true i would think it's just like a fun coincidence at two like oh my gosh i saw two owls today you know how much i'd love that you would love that. i would fucking love it so then three i get concerned i'm in fucking harry potter Mm -hmm. my letter is coming i have finally been accepted to hogwarts congratulations you're a hufflepuff (laughs) i am not a hufflepuff (laughs) you don't really get to choose (laughs) 
Sorry. <laughs> Ooh, Slut for Queer Books asks, what's your favorite type of fall seasonal coffee? I do have a seasonal drink that I love. It's not actually coffee, Oh, though. here we go. Okay. I go to Starbucks. <laughs> I get myself my regular drink, okay, mm-hmm. is an iced chai latte with nonfat milk. Okay. It's my regular year-round drink. Right. A little spicy tea. It's so good. Okay. Okay. But during the fall. Can we enter a promo code for you at checkout? Yes. <laughs> In the fall, you get that same thing. Okay. But you add pumpkin. two pumps of pumpkin. Oh. And it tastes like chilled pumpkin pie. It's so fucking good. That does sound delicious. It's so good. All right. Venti, non-fat, iced chai latte, two pumps of pumpkin. All right. That's what I'm telling. That's what I'm telling you folks to okay. try. Okay. Do you have a fall drink? No. Okay. I drink all the beverages all yeah, the time. Yeah, all the time. That's right. You don't Just believe like there's in seasonal. No, there's, there's no, no soup, soup season. season. There's, there's no, no beverage drink season. season. All right. Well, see, you can't get the pumpkin sauce outside of Pumpkin falls. sauce? Yeah, so they call it pumpkin sauce. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm um You're not a pumpkin spice latte basic bitch. I'm I'm so much more complicated than no, you. No, you're just like black coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I'm kind of a deep thinker. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of a dark soul. I'm sure you've noticed. I can tell immediately if they've put two percent milk in my beverage. Cause you slosh it and it leaves a film? No. By taste. It's too milky. I can taste it the yeah, second, no, that, yeah. I, that makes a sense. There's a that makes a sense. That makes a sense. <laughs> no, that I think there's a world of difference yeah, between skim yeah, and two percent. Huge. Two percent. You're like, what luxurious lifestyle mm-hmm. am I living? Mm, yep, I don't like it. Oh, okay. Too much milk. I don't like it. <laughs> Do you ever think about milk? I okay. I don't like milk. I just yeah. No, I am a milk as necessary type of gal. <laughs> I'm never gonna like. Medicinal milk. I mean, only. I'll eat it in my cereal. Maybe if I have yeah. a real rich cookie or something, I'll take a couple sips of milk. Well, no, you can't. You're you're past the age of ten. We can't be having glasses of milk. Oh, my sister drinks like a glass of milk every night before she goes to bed. So does Are my dad. You ew. Yeah. No. Yeah, they're milk drinkers. They need to stop. <laughs> they absolutely need to stop. We are not stop. milk drinkers in our household. Yes. <laughs> My thing is, like, you know, grew up guzzling milk. Yeah. I know you think about it. It's gross. I just happened to watch Napoleon Dynamite yesterday, and there's a part in it where he is taste testing yes. milk for, like, 4-H Club. Uh-huh. And it's a real close-up yeah. shot of him drinking. And then you see it, like, on his teeth. Oh, I hate it. Mm. Mm. Anyway, no thank you. <laughs> Sorry for the spoilers on Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> We're like going to ruin it for mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Ooh, Doppin Dits wants to know, Brandy, thoughts on emotional support biker shorts? I always wear my emotional support camis, so when I wear dresses, I can yeah. wear my, yes, I don't even have to finish this question. Yeah, chub rub. Yeah. Helps with the thighs. Okay. Makes you feel like more secure if, in case your dress blows up. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I am here for the bi- biker shorts under the dress. Absolutely. 
You I truly need to hear are. No more. I, yeah, I am you truly a never are nude. fully clothed, multiple layers. I look like Mrs. Doubtfire just, under my clothing. Just try playing <laughs> strip poker with this lady. You'll yeah. never win. Yeah, that's right. I got layers on layers on layers. Ooh. Scream Court says, is it wrong to take candy as an adult when trick-or-treating? My partner and I usually dress up on Halloween and go for a walk to check out the neighborhood houses. We've had neighbors offer us candy even when the kids aren't around. I always feel weird about accepting and usually decline, but my partner is always happy to say yes, please, and wants to bring a treat bag. Yeah, I think if it's offered to you and like it is clear that it is just you as an Mm -hmm. adult, you don't have a child with you, absolutely. I think that's totally fine. But if you're going up to the door and asking for a piece of candy, fuck no. Move move it along. <laughs> what do you think, Kristen? You think even the being offered, you don't like it. I and this is <laughs> I'm sorry. I and this is when I'm a bee. <laughs> Adults buy your own candy. Yeah, That's for okay. kids. All right. That's for the children. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself sometimes. <laughs> you know, I hear your opinion on it. I'm like, that. that's a nice opinion to have. <laughs> but it's I not the opinion you no, have. <laughs> not at all. Because we, So we get a ton of trick-or-treaters, and yeah. I love it. I yeah. love giving out candy. But I, when the parents get in there mm-hmm. and grab candy for themselves. Yeah, no. The ki- parents should not be in there grabbing candy. Fuck right off. Right. But no, but if, you're, do, if, you're, if you're around and they're like, hey, yeah, yeah. Take a piece of candy. Have yeah. a great night. Yeah. Have fun out there. I'm fine with that. Absolutely. My feeling is you should, if you really want candy, steal some from your kid. Yes. You Force take the them to go tax. to a couple yes. extra houses. Yeah. Um, now, having said that, I don't, I don't turn folks away. Mm-hmm. But you do judge them. <laughs> I do judge them and I do take it a step further. Sometimes we get repeat offenders. Oh, shit. And I say to them. You've already been here. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm so much more passive aggressive than that. And what do you say? Say, good to see you again. <gasps> and I You give them, petty bitch! Yeah, and I give them candy. <laughs> but I just want them to know. I want them to know. I see you. Amazing. I see you, you nine-year-old. <laughs> Several people have asked what London is being this year. Um, so we have Jackson this mm-hmm. year for Halloween, so we're very excited. He said he wants to do a like a family theme costume, so we talked about it this weekend. And he has decided that he wants us all to be Super Mario characters. Oh, So cool. he has selected Wario uh-huh. to be his character because yeah. he really wants to wear the gloves and the mustache. Sure. And then we asked, we showed London some costumes last night, and she wants to be Princess Peach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you in, David? I think we're going to be Mario and Luigi. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty basic. It is basic. But David really loves Bowser, too. And I was like, be Bowser. Yeah. And he's like, what are you going to be if I'm Bowser? And I was like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Toad. Toad would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you don't want to be Toad. I don't really want to be Toad. What do you really want to be? Are you kind of mad that London stole Princess No, I'm not, Peach? actually. No, really. I have a character that I play every time we play 
Mario Kart, mm-hmm. but there's no costumes for it. And so what I'm is a, it? I play Dry Bones. Oh. Yeah. It's my favorite character. But there's no Dry Bones costume. I looked high and low on the <laughs> internet. So. But I think I could just get like a sweatshirt that has Dry Bones on it and that would be cute. Yeah. And, yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe I'll I'll do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. I also think you'd be an adorable Yoshi. Yoshi would be cute. I could just do like I bet they make like an adult like yes. onesie like yes. thing. That would be so <gasps> And you could oh be the faithful the mount. The faithful mount. Mhm. Okay. All right. That is a cute idea. Yeah. I might be Yoshi. You're welcome. Thank you. Mhm. Thank you. Oh, yeah, the cat lady asks, Kristen, how are your cats? We hear an awful lot about the pups, but I keep wondering how your cats are doing. Hmm. Thank you very much. Let's see, what to report about the cats? The cats are total bitches. They get it from their mother. (laughs) The cats rule this house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm terrified of both of them. Yeah. And, like, I think Norm's terrified of them, too, because the other day he went out to get kitty litter, Uh and the store didn't have their favorite kind of litter. And I was kind of like, whatever. Yeah, it's no big deal. But no, it is turning out to be quite a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. These cats demand the most expensive food known to man. Are they kicking the litter around to let you know they don't like it? They're letting their displeasure be known. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Anyhow, mm-hmm. that's how my wonderful cats are doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this person, I don't know what their full Discord name is because uh-huh. it's standing with protecting underage buh something. Okay. My, I don't know. Okay. But they asked, if you had to break up with yourself, how would you do it? Ooh. Yeah. My method would be ridiculous. What would you do? It'd be like, <laughs> you're too good for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. You really build yourself up. Yeah, it, it's like, yeah. I'm so I, intimidated. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I, I can't keep up. Mm-hmm. I'd only hold you back, yeah. baby. Yeah, I love that. My instinct was to just ghost myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> ghost yourself? That's terrible. <laughs> Is it because you don't want to do the breaking up or yeah. because you don't want to be broken up with? Both. Yeah. Both. Have you ever ghosty wasted somebody? No. I've dated like three people my whole life. Yeah, I'm Kristen. just asking if no, you've given I a spooky and goodbye. I only broke up with one of them. No, I guess I've dated four people my whole life. I broke up with one of them and I did it over email and it, I mm, regret it to this day. Brave. <laughs> it's very brave of you. What was the subject line? <laughs> I don't even remember. It's probably like, hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> what a bitch. How old were you? I was in high school. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. not You're yes. fine. You're yeah. fine. You're not a grown woman saying no, to children. No, I did not do it as a Good grown to see woman. you again. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Nice to see you for the third time this evening. (laughs) Someone sure loves gummy bears, don't you? Uh, Should we move on to some Supreme Court inductions? We absolutely shall. How do you get inducted on this podcast? What an excellent question. You sign up for our Patreon at the 
$7 level or higher. This week, we're reading your names and your first celebrity crushes. Liz Shiner. Nick Carter. Rachel Taylor. Christian Bale. Nicole. <laughs> first crush was Yoda. Yes, Yoda. Told my family we were getting married. <laughs> Amazing. Tina Mina. Wes Bergman. Ooh. Justine Caprioni. Michael Jordan. Lake and Beliveau. Ash from Pokemon. AJ. Rufio from the Rufio. Hook movie. Rufio! Rufio! I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> now AJ's getting all horned up. I know! Sabrina! Chad from High School Musical. Rachel Nichol. Toby McGuire. Aaron Hardman. Shamar Moore. Lindsay Sice. Claire Danes. Emily Deal. River Phoenix. Vibeka Rivet. Daniel Radcliffe. Kim Ritz. Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Calvin B. Kirsten Dunst. Jennifer. <laughs> the small weird man on Allie McBeal who performed Barry White in the Mirror for a confidence boost. Amazing. Weirdly, I know exactly who she's talking about. Sheeny Bunny. Australian comedian Mike Hoochies Harry. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> Drew Pinzinski. Johnny Knoxville. Mackenzie E. Ricky Schroeder. Courtney L. Emilio Estevez. Ashley. Billy Gilman. Waffle. <laughs> It's not time for us to wrap this up at all. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And then head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Then be sure to join us next week. When Brandy will be an expert on a whole new topic. Will it be horribly depressing? Wait and find out, probably. (laughs) Podcast adjourned! And now for a note about our process. For this episode, I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitated it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. So I owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from the article, The Birmingham Church Bombing, Bombingham, by Mark Gatto for Crime Library, as well as reporting from NPR and the New York Times. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go! Read their stuff. 